Thanks for checking out the Ascent Church podcast. Our mission is to reach, equip, and impact others exactly where they are as we rise to new life in Christ. We hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Thomas Lane. This is a series on idols. Somebody say idols. Idols are good things we make into ultimate things. I want to burn that into your brain. I want you at the end of the series to be like, I got it. Idols, good things we make into ultimate things. What's an idol? It's a good thing we make into ultimate things. I just want you to know that. Idols are things where you might say this. I'm good as long as I have that. As long as I have that thing, I'm good. I'm good as long as I'm perceived as a good mother. As long as I'm a good dad. As long as I'm a good husband. As long as I keep this job, I'm cool. I'm good. As long as I got my car. As long as I got my labradoodle. Okay? There's things in our life. It could be sex. It could be power, control, comfort. These are all idols. And there's a great danger with them when we take these good things and we make them ultimate things. Today we're talking about somebody named Jacob. Somebody say, Jacob. Jacob's life was a disaster, okay? His whole life, when he came out of the womb, it was a disaster. He was already fighting with his brother. But Jacob's idol is something we can relate to. Because you look at Jacob and you're like, it's thousands of years ago. How could I relate to Jacob thousands and thousands of years later? What's the big deal? But Jacob's idol was relationships. It was knowing and being known. And that's something we all struggle with today. If we can be honest, it really, really is. We're going to talk about it. Let me tell you a little bit about Jacob. He always fought with his brother, constantly bickering, arguing. When their dad was about to die, Jacob tricked the dad into receiving this special deathbed blessing from his father. He got this blessing and he ran off. So he never sees his dad again. His dad's mad at him to the day he dies. He, he doesn't, he never sees his brother again who wants to kill him. And his mother, the only one who really loved him and cared about him, he never sees her again either. His life is a disaster. And he flees. He runs. He runs as far as he can across country. The only people he knows left are his mother's relatives. So he says, hey, I guess I'll go here. I'll hang out with them. And that's where our story begins. If you'd like to follow along with me, you can look right behind me or turn in your Bible to Genesis 29, 16 through 20. We use an app called YouVersion. All the text is already there if you prefer that. Or if you're taking notes, that's great too. It says, after Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, Laban, that's his uncle, Laban said to him, just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. I'm trying to see you get paid, nephew. I'm seeing if you're paying attention, okay? So about half of us are listening, but that's what he meant, all right? He's trying to see he gets paid. Now, Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes. Somebody say weak eyes. Somebody say, what does that mean? We don't know. It's a weird thing to say. We don't, we're not quite sure. But Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. So we don't know what weak eyes means, but it's not a good thing. Okay? It's not a physical trait that you would aspire to have. <clears throat> Leah, if she was around here, she would not be bragging about her weak eyes. It would not be on her Tinder profile. She would not be saying, I like the beach, my labradoodle, mimosa flights, and my weak eyes. Okay, nobody's going to swipe right. It's not something you really talked about. Okay, we don't know what it means, but all we know is it wasn't a good thing. So what happens? Jacob was in love with Rachel. Aren't they family? This is awkward. Somebody say, this is awkward. Turn to your neighbor, tell him you're missing the point. 
Call him sicko. Okay? Not talking about that. Different time. If you get hung up on that, you're going to miss the point of today. So don't lock into that weird fact. Just follow with me on the story. Jacob was in love with Rachel. That's the physically attractive one. And she said, I'll work for you, uncle, seven years in return for your younger daughter, daughter, Rachel. Love and relationships can be idols. If you look at the Bible, too, this is an ancient book. It's a boring book. It doesn't relate to me. Then you've never seen The Bachelor. Huh? Okay. Who watched The Bachelor? Don't you lie to me. Put your hands up if you watch The Bachelor. Keep them up. Be honest. Keep them up. Who here didn't want to watch it, but someone made you watch it? Y'all are just lying in church. All right. Who here has heard of The Bachelor? Okay. There you go. That's a sign that we have a problem with relationships. We're obsessed with them. We are. Who here? I need to know the man. Who here? I'm going to pray for you. Who here? Your wife made you watch it. She guilted you. We're going to do a support group. We're going to pray for y'all after service. We gotta, we're we're going come, to come around. Uh, we're going to come around you. We're going to pray for you because you're going to need it. But look, we're obsessed with this. We are obsessed with romantic love because for so many of us, it's an idol. It's a huge idol. Because we even have magazines. You'll be at Target checking out and you're like, ooh, look at that magazine. Who slept with who? I got to check this out. We don't feel that with other kinds of love. There would never be a magazine cover that would say, ooh, Bill is now friends with who? Hmm? He got coffee with who? Let's talk about his friendship life. No, no, no. You want to see, wait, he slept with who? What? Mm, I'm going to buy that for $3.99. That interests us. It excites us so much so, not even our own relationships. We look at people we never meet. We don't care about them, but we got to watch The Bachelor. It was millions and millions of us tuned in or were guilted into tuning in to watch The Bachelor. When it comes to romantic love, it can be an idol. Because a lot of times what happens is this. We put all our hope into this person. We say, yeah, God, you're cool. You're in my life. Yeah, well, yeah, whatever. Okay, you're over here. But the center of my life is my relationship. That is how I'm going to get value and worth. That's how I'm going to be known. That's how I'm going to prove I'm a good person. That's how I'm going to get value. And and this is how I'm going to know my life is worth living because of my relationship because of my marriage, because of my spouse. And with that, there is such a great danger. Maybe that's not you. Maybe your idol isn't your spouse. Maybe it's finding a spouse. Because that can be just as bad. You put all your hopes in it. You put all your eggs in that basket and you say, you know what, things suck now, but once I'm married, everything will be fixed. Everything will be better. Because that's the stories we grow up on. Prince Charming will come in and it will live happily ever after. Bull. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. Why did Jacob do this? Well, his life was empty. You see, we create idols to fill a void. You see, he didn't have a relationship with his father. He broke the good relationship he had with his mother. His brother is out to get him. This is all he has left. Somewhere deep down, and this is not included in scripture, but you can feel it if you look at his life. He must have had the thought that said something like this. If I just have that, everything will be okay. If I just have a good sex life, if I just have a wife, if I just have a family, if I, God just gives me this, everything will work out. I'll be fulfilled. I'll be filled. I'll be worth. I'll, I'll have a purpose. You might never say that. He never said it, but sometimes our, we, we really act like it. And he says, I'll work for seven years. You need to know this is a crazy high price because we pay a high price for our idols. 
When when you have an idol in your life, a good thing you've made an ultimate thing, it calls the shots. It can ask for anything and you don't have an option. You're a slave to it. You have to comply. You have to obey. Seven years, he would have done it for 70 because that's all he had in his life. And he would pay the ultimate price to get it. Some of y'all have been in junk relationships. Some of y'all are in junk relationships, but you've been so terrified of being lonely or being alone or being cast out that you've gone through hell to keep a relationship with somebody you don't even really care about. Some of y'all have been through hell. Some of y'all have been through physical abuse, mental abuse, verbal abuse. You've been through alcohol addictions. You've been through some stuff, not really even loving the person, but you're so fearful of losing that idol. It's the most important thing to you. You got to keep it. You got to keep it. We all pay a price. Maybe work is your idol. Maybe work is your idol. What that would look like is this, because with all idols, we pay a high price. If work is your idol, it costs your time. You wake up, what are you doing? You're checking your phone. You're checking your phone. Do I have any deals, any contracts coming in? You're constantly checking your phone. On a date with your girl, you're checking your phone. With your kids, you're checking your phone. Anything come through? Anything come through? What's going on? What's going on? You sacrifice your time with your kids. You sacrifice your, 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 your mental space. You can't stop thinking about work. You sacrifice your health. You don't have time to cook. You don't have time to be healthy. You have every meal at Wawa. Y'all like Wawa? Y'all are like, say what you want about my marriage, but don't you touch Wawa. Y'all are like, well, you can talk about my cat, sir, but don't you mention my favorite gas station. I know. I'm going to make a note. Do not touch Wawa. Good to know. I'm good to know. I'm glad I know where we stand. The point is this. We will pay a high price for idols. He said, I'll work for seven years. Now, I know it's a weird custom. I'm not talking about that. But that's an inc- even in those days, that was an incredibly high price. The bill, really, how we react to the bill is all about where the bill is going. If you get a $300 bill to the dentist office, no offense to the dentists, but that's the worst. You're like, oh, 300 bucks. I see some dentists. I love you, man. I'm sorry. You're like, hey, this is weird. This is awful. But, but if your favorite band comes to town, right, and you could get front row tickets, you're like, I'll pay 300. I'll pay 3,000. I'll pay whatever it costs. If your favorite team is playing and you could get in playoff tickets in the front row courtside, $300 seems like jump change. It seems like nothing. For this dude, seven years was nothing because there's something he loved. It wasn't idle. The average American wedding, you wonder how much it costs? You want to know? I'm going to tell you $31,000. I'm glad I have two sons. <laughs> now, I want a little girl. Okay, I want someone to call me when I'm older and to take care of me when I'm old. That sounds cool. But 31000 I said, what? That's crazy. But if it's an idol, we'll pay it. So many of us feel like my purpose is to get married. My value is in my, in my last name. It's all about weddings, weddings, and weddings. Here's the lie. If I find my one true soulmate, I will be healed. If I find my one true soulmate, I will be healed. Everything will be okay. Some of us have this mentality of life don't really start until you're married. Once you're married, we can start over. We can get a house. We can get a picket fence. We can finally get that golden doodle we've dreamed of, okay? And you can start life because for us, ladies and gentlemen, romance is is an idol and sex is an idol. Remember, this is, not a mar- this is not a sermon that's marriage is bad. Marriage is a gift from God. Marriage is a good thing. But like all good things, if we make them ultimate things, danger will happen. 
God bless you. 19, follow with me. Laban said, Uncle Laban, it's better that I give her to you than some other dude. Stay here with me. Let me ask you, did he say yes? Did he say deal? Jacob is a trickster. Crazy thing is he's about to get tricked because that's what idols do. They trick us. They tease us into thinking, this is fine. Everything's okay. What could go wrong? But you're about to see the disaster that comes. So Jacob served seven years, seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. (laughs) And everyone's like, oh, I wish someone would do that for me. This is not romantic. I'm about to just burst your bubble. Pop! This is not romantic. This is selfish. He doesn't care about Rachel. He cares about himself. He cares about that itch being scratched. This isn't for Rachel's benefit. This is for me, 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 me. Some of us are great parents, but we need to look. Why do I care so much about my kids? Is it because I care about them growing up or is it because I want to be perceived as a mom who has her stuff together? If you sat down with Jacob and you said, tell me about Rachel, he'd be like, yeah, whatever. She's mine. This is not an act of great romance. It's an act of great selfishness. When it comes to idols, selfishness is always a major player in the equation. Here's something we do. Here's a formula you may find yourself in. It's a trap I find myself in often. Here's the formula. We make an idol. Okay. We worship the idol. It falls short. Then we blame God. That's what we do. We make an idol, sex, power, kids, family. Jacob's doing this right now with this relationship. We make an idol. We make a false God. We worship it, meaning you don't bow down to it. I mean, you center your life on it. Every decision you make financial with your time, with everything is based on this false God, this idol. And then it's going to fail you. It's going to let you down. And who do you blame? You blame God. You blame God. How, How could you let this happen? God's like, why, why are you bringing me into all this? We're the idolaters. We're the one who worship this. This is a weird I- illustration. Can I give you a weird illustration? Three people said, whatever. Okay, I'm talking to you three who are like, sure, whatever. I'm trapped here. You might as well. Um, let, me, let me give this to you. This is strange. This is strange, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. So spiritually, what scripture says, God wants to relate to you, not as, not as friend to friend, even though he says we are friends. Not as boss to to underling, even though he is Lord. Not as king to servant, even though we are his servants. But mainly as husband and wife. This relationship of intimacy, of vulnerability, of being fully committed for life to someone. That's what God wants for you. So in a sense, God is your spiritual spouse. God is your husband. He's He's our spouse. So he's our husband, but we don't put him at the top. We put him over here on the side. We put an idol on the top. Scripture says this. It really is true. When idolatry happens, it's like cheating on your spouse. It's like having a dude on the side. It's like having a side chick, if I can be crass. That's what it's like. And so many of y'all, you pray to God and you say, God, I got this idol, but you're praying about your idols. You're essentially asking God to help him comfort your idol. This is what you say. You say, God, I want to be a better mom. I want to be a better mom. God, God, I'm worried about my job. I'm worried about this. What if they break up with me? God, help me find a boyfriend. You're essentially coming to God and saying, God, help me keep my idol happy. You're essentially coming to your wife and saying, wifey, I can't even look at my wife. She will kill me if I say this out loud. You're essentially going to your wife and saying, hey, wifey, um, my side chick is mad at me. 
can you help me calm her down? Some of you ladies just want to smack your husband for even thinking about it. Ladies, this is like going to your husband and saying, hey, that guy I hook up with on occasion, he's mad at me. You got any advice? God can't work in that situation. You have to declare war. You have to put your foot down. You have to repent. You have to turn away from it. God cannot repent for you. God can do a lot of things. He can do a lot of powerful things. But the key to your heart, you have to lay that down at his feet. You have to lay that down at his feet. It's silent. Either you're not with me or y'all are like, oh, dang. I hope it's the second one. 21. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. Chill, man. (laughs) My time is completed. And I want to make sweet, sweet love to her. Somebody say slow down. Because idols make us desperate. It doesn't say sweet, sweet love. I added that part. The Hebrew, the original language is actually way more crass. He's essentially saying, okay, imagine going to your future father-in-law and saying, is it about time for me to have sex with your daughter yet? Excuse me? That's what this dude did. That's what he was crazy enough to say because you need to know idols make us desperate. They make us desperate. They make us crazy. And you need to understand when it comes to relationships, expectations crush. Say they crush. They crush. Some of you, you get into a relationship, you get into a marriage and you're like, this is great. I'm finally going to be whole. I'm finally going to be made right. I'm finally going to have peace. I'm finally going to, this is how I was supposed to be. But expectations crush. You will crush your spouse. You will put burdens and expectations on them they were never meant to carry. You're going to ask them to do things that only God can do. And with all due respect to your spouse, they're a little underqualified for that role. You're going to ask them to give you value. You're going to ask them to to fill you up, to, to, to define you, to give you worth and identity and meaning and to guide your future. God, your spouse can't do that. I'm sure your spouse is amazing. That's awesome. But they can't do that. And you will crush them. You will crush them. You'll look at them and say, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you meeting my needs? Why aren't you doing that thing I thought you would do? I thought I would feel different. It must be you. It must be you. They're going to be withdrawn. They're going to feel crushed. This is why so many people have affairs. Because they get married and they think it's supposed to be this way. Why do I feel good all the time? Why do I feel honored all the time? Why do I feel loved and respected and treated like I'm supposed to be treated? It must be I'm with the wrong person. So you go looking for it somewhere else. Rather than look at another person, you need to stop and you need to look at your heart. That's where you need to dig in. Because expectations crush. crush. I have a friend, she's 28 or so, and she... um. Her husband is the same age, and this girl loves her dad. Her dad's a pastor. He's like 60. She like, she, she loves him. In, in her eyes, this dude is perfect. He knows the right things to say. He can always calm her down. He can always speak the truth and love. He is awesome, this model dude, and he's a great dude. But she looks at her husband and gets mad at him. She essentially says, why are you not more like my dad? Her dad has been a believer for 50 years. Her husband, five years. She has this unrealistic expectation. You know what that does? It crushes her. She feels used up. She feels mistreated. She feels not fulfilled. And it crushes him because he's been held to a standard he could never really comply with. Do you see the tension there? Do you see the pain in that situation? That's what we do with relationships. Expectations crush. 22. 
So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. When evening came, he took his daughter Leah. Somebody say, "Uh uh-oh. Uh-oh, and brought her to Jacob. Leah's the one with the eyes. I I still don't know what that means. And brought her to Jacob, and Jacob made sweet, sweet love to her. It was dark. She was probably veiled. When morning came, there was Leah. Somebody say, oh, Lord. Somebody say, Jerry, Jerry. No, 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 not in church, not in church. Stop it, stop it. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? You need to see Laban never said yes because idols always make false promises. Idols will sweet talk you too. They'll say good things like, hey, once you get this job, everything's fine. Once you go after that addiction, things will work out. Once you do this, say that, everything's going to be smooth, baby. Everything's fine. But idols never meet our expectations. Jacob had this idea, this expectation. But when it finally comes to fruition, the opposite of what he intended came to pass. And the same thing will happen in your life. The worst Sometimes the thing God can give us is what we actually pray for and hope for. Because you get it and you're like, what? Some of y'all, if God gave you everything you've ever asked for him, you'd be more miserable than you could ever imagine. Our expectations always let us down. They always drop us, but he knows what's best for him. Here's what I want to say. Only when we fully love God can we fully love our spouse. Only when we fully love him can we fully love our spouse. Only when we fully love God and can, can, we, can we love that person who we're not married yet. Maybe we're not even engaged. Maybe we're dating. Maybe we, maybe we want to be dating, right? Huh, huh? But we're not, we're not there yet. Okay, the, the way to have things in the right order is not to have the idol on top. It's to have God on top. Keeping him on top. Keeping him central and everything else will fall into place. The reason a lot of us have so many issues in our marriage is from two things. Unmet expectations and unrealistic expectations. I feel like I'm at a pre-marriage counseling class right now. I feel like we're at Starbucks talking. I feel like I'm doing a seminar right now. Unrealistic and unmet expectations because you think you're on the same page, but you're not. I could say, hey, do do you want to save money in your marriage? Both say yes. Well, she wants to save 500 a month. He wants to save 50. That's a different looking budget. Do you want to have sex? Is sex important? Yeah, sex is very important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for, him, for her, that's twice a week. For him, that's twice a night. <laughs> it's going to cause some tension. But, but well, no, 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 you said you wanted to value sex. You said you wanted to save money. Oh, how about this one? Do you want to see family a lot? Yeah. For him, a lot is Thanksgiving, Christmas. <laughs> for her, it's not two times a year. It's two times a week. Sunday afternoon, Wednesday supper. <laughs> this happened to my friend. This happened to my friend, Phil. You ask him about it. He said, I didn't know that, that that's your life. It comes down to expectations. It comes down to expectations. It causes so much tension. This is why you bicker so much. Because your expectations aren't laid out. And sometimes you are expecting something from your spouse that only Jesus Christ can fulfill. You want your spouse to fill you up, to, to hold you all the time, to, 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 to give you that worth and meaning. That's a divine calling. I need you to, right now, today, I want you to give your spouse some grace. Give your husband some grace. Give your wife some grace. Sit down and say, look, I've been praying. I've been expecting perfection out of you. And that was unfair. And when you don't measure up to my standard, I get mad at you for it. And I hold it against you. I'm sorry for that. You need to have that conversation on the way home. I just want to say, let God be God. 
and let your spouse be your spouse. Serve them, love them, value them, treasure them. Marriage is a good thing. I'm not saying it's not, but if you put them in the position of God, it's too much for them to bear. The best way you can love and serve your spouse is to love and serve Jesus Christ. And the best way you can love and serve if you're single people out in the house, because you're like, this doesn't, this, it's not important to me. You're going to be single a lot longer unless you listen to this right here. The best way you can love and serve that person God, God wants for you to marry, who he has for you, who may be in this room, who may be in your row. Oh man, that sounds pretty good. Um, <laughs> is to love and serve Jesus Christ. Let's go to 26. Laban replied, Oh, Laban. Oh, it's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Wish you would have told me that seven years ago, uncle. (laughs) Thanks. It's a little late. Finish the starter's bridal week, then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. And Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah, and then Laban gave him his daughter, Rachel, to be his wife. Jacob made sweet, sweet love to Rachel also. Does it make you uncomfortable when I say that? I feel, I feel the audience just squirming. It's fun. It's fun for me. And his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. Somebody say, uh-oh. And he worked for Laban another seven years. Now, some of you don't like the Bible because you're reading it maybe for the first time and you're saying, it seems like women are treated like objects. It seems like they're second class. It seems like they're property. Why is the Bible supporting this? You need to see something. The Bible is making a commentary on the culture of the day. The Bible is not supporting this. If you think the Bible is supporting this behavior, you don't know how to read. Everything about this is a disaster. The, 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 the relationships, the marriages, the jealousies, the idols. The Bible isn't saying this is a good idea. It's saying, what are y'all thinking? It's saying, have y'all lost your minds? This is a document saying, this is not how God planned things for, this is not how God planned for things to be. So if that holds you back, I just want you to read this slightly differently. Slightly differently. Look, look what he did. He worked for Laban another seven years. Somebody say seven years. Some, I want to ask you, what are you working towards? Seriously, tomorrow's Monday. You're probably going to get up. You're probably going to still be tired from daylight saving. All right, or it's St. Patty's Day. I don't need to hear about your plans, okay? You're still going to be a little tired, ready to go. You wake up. I want to ask you, why are you working? What are you working towards? Oh, I'm, I'm building my brand. I'm building my empire. I'm grinding. I'm going back to school. I'm building that thing. Because so many of us, honest to God, believe deep down, I feel this emptiness. I feel this itch. But if I just got that thing, I'd be okay. If I just make my first million, if I just, if I just finish that degree, if I just land that big deal, if I just finish that contract, things will be okay. Some of us are miserable. We're stressed out. We're overwhelmed because we haven't got that thing. I came to tell you, Jesus Christ offers you that thing, not down in the future, but right now. He offers you peace. He offers you joy, fulfillment that nothing in this world could ever offer. He offers it to you right now. You don't have to earn it. You don't got to sweat for it. He did all that for you. It's a free gift of grace. And someone in this room, and many of us in this room, we're sweating, we're tired, we're putting it off and saying, hey, if I can just get to that point, things will be okay. When Jesus is knocking on your door and saying, my child, I want to give you that peace. I want to give you that rest. I want to give you that joy right now. Somebody say right now. You don't have to wait seven years. He can give it to you right now. Jacob's going to wait 14 years. How long are you going to wait? 
I'm being a little confrontational. I can't help myself because so many of us say, hey, when I finish college, I'll be good. When we finally have a child, we'll be good. How long are you going to wait to get that fulfillment, to get that joy when it's being offered to you every single day? Look at the pain idolatry causes. Look at the heartache. Look at the loss. 31, when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive. But Rachel remained childless. For now, she's childless, not forever. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Somebody say, oh, Lord. You need to know, a friend of mine says this, hurt people hurt people. Meaning people who are hurt spill that hurt onto others. When we are hurt, we hurt others. You need to know sin spreads. You need to know idolatry spreads. Their marriage just started, and she's already picking up his bad habits. She's already picking them up. She, Jacob, what happened to Jacob? Hey, didn't have family love, felt empty. What's happening to Leah? Dad doesn't want her. Husband doesn't want her. She's saying, if I just have a son, everything will work out. I'll be valuable then. My husband will finally like me if I just have a son. Maybe that's not your thing. Maybe it's being a good parent. Maybe it is conceiving. I'll just be valuable if we finally can have a child, whatever it is. You need to know your family your friends, especially your children, will pick up your habits, your good habits and your bad habits. This part's going to be fun. I really like this part of the sermon because people get upset. But we have security team, so we're okay. <laughs> Thank you, security team. You can't see them, but they're everywhere. <laughs> so let's do two different scenarios. If you talk about church like this, if you say, if your kid's like, hey, daddy, can we go to the park? And you're like, no, we got to go to church. You're what? Mommy won't stop until we go to church. So we'll go to church and we'll go later. If you treat church like you treat the dentist, no offense, or like you treat paying your taxes, or like you treat anything else in your life, how do you think that child will be when that child turns 18? You think they'll be raring to go when they're in the military and they're in a new city and say, first thing I'm going to do is find a community. No, they'll say free at last. I don't have to go to that place anymore because we're modeling that. What if we don't say we have to go to church? What if we say we get to go to church? Hey, daddy, what are we doing today? Well, we get to go to church. Well, what do you mean? Well, we get to go serve. We get to go see our friends. We get to go meet new people. We get to go make new friends. We get to go sing to God and learn something new and be challenged today, kids. We get to go have a blast. And even we get a donut. How will your child operate then? They'll pick up your bad habits and they'll pick up your good habits. There's a problem in the church today. There's a problem in this church because I hear it in the lobby all the time. I'm just being real. Some of you are believers, some of you are not. But some of us who are, some of us cuss like a sailor. And some of you sailors are like, I'm offended. <laughs> I know you too. I know how you talk. <laughs> I've heard some words in the lobby. I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> how did... How did that happen? Because in church, I see us, we're singing. We say, we say these words. We say faith. We say freedom. We say forgiveness. But Tuesday on Instagram, it's a different F word we're using. And I say, oh, Lord, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you made me blush. If you can make a man who used to be a youth pastor blush, you have a gift, my friend. You have a gift. And... Because this is what parents do. They always say, well, yeah, I slip up, but my, my kid wouldn't say that. <laughs> Not my baby. Yes, your baby. 
That's how it goes. They hear you. They hear you. And it's going to happen at the weirdest spot. You're going to be at Chick-fil-A and you're going to be with your six-year-old and you're going to be ordering and you're going to say, you're going to say, honey, what would you like? And your kid's going to look and say, I want some beeping nuggets. And the lady's going to faint. She's going to say, oh, my pleasure. And she's going to faint because they don't say that in Chick-fil-A. Well, they don't do that in Chick-fil-A. It'll be a big fuss. It'll be a stir. And you'll say, where did you learn that? And they say, you, mommy. I got it from you. I heard, I follow you on Facebook too. (laughs) Oh man. Let's be, I'm being silly, but I'm being truthful, but I'm going to be real for a second. Men, the way you talk to your spouse, the way you treat your spouse, would you be fine with your son doing that when he's an adult? Are you honoring women? You respecting them? He's going to act just like you, good good or bad. Ladies, do you gossip about your husband when he's not around? This is what people say. I'm not gossiping, I'm venting. <laughs> I'm just telling the truth. I'm just dropping truth bombs. Oh, stop it. That's gossip. If they ain't around, that's what's going to do. Are you fine with your child doing the same with authority figures, with you, with her husband, with her brother? If you are, then continue. But if you think that's a problem, we have to be honest. This is my last one. This is, this is the one that upset some people, but I don't really care anymore. <clears throat> do we only go to church when it's convenient? And you don't have to go here. Go to a church. I'm not saying this is the church. You can go to any church. But do we only go to church when it's convenient? Do we only go to church when it's not raining and nothing's going on and there's no sports? Heaven forbid we upset the baseball gods, the cheer gods, the football gods. Heaven forbid we upset them. It's how we do. It's how we do. Because deep down, every parent's like, yeah, your kid's a loser, but my kid's going pro. Every kid, every parent thinks that. They won't admit it, but they're like, yeah. I see my kid swing. He's pro. He's going pro one day. You need to understand this. I looked it up and I forget the number because I'm not good with numbers. There's like a point oh 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 one chance that your child one day will be called to stand at a draft at Major League Baseball or the NFL or the NBA. There's a point oh oh one percent chance they'll be called to stand at a draft, but there's a hundred percent chance they'll be called to stand before Jesus Christ at the end of their life. I'm just saying, I'm just be I'm just being honest. And I want to ask you, where are we prioritizing things? Have we said God we, just fits into my schedule? If we're, if we, you know, we're only going to give if it's convenient. We're only going to serve people if we can benefit from it. Yeah, that's fine. How do we do that? Is God number one or is God wherever we feel like fitting him in that week? Your kids are watching you. They're modeling you. I would say every parent here would say, I want my kid to value God. Then we must model that behavior. Let's finish with Leah. She has a second son. Still nothing. Again, she conceived him when she gave birth to a son. She said, now at last, he will become attached to me because I've borne him three sons. So he was named Levi. She conceived again and she gave birth to a son. Okay, three sons in. Nothing's working. Nothing's working. I'll have another son. No, no, no. That's how idolatry works. You keep repeating the behavior, repeating the behavior. No change, no change, no change. That's insanity. The same behavior, expecting different results. Finally, she gives birth to a fourth son. She says, look, she says this time, I will praise the Lord. Somebody say this time. This time I'm going to praise the Lord. So she named him Judah and she stopped having children. This Leah, that's who I want you to be this week. That's who I want you to be today. I want you to be a person, we're all idolaters, who realizes your idol, realizes how silly you're being and puts her foot down. 
and say, look, I'm going to stop worshiping. I'm going to stop focusing because her idol was her husband. I'm going to stop worshiping my earthly husband and start focusing on the relationship with my heavenly one. That's what she did. Do you know what Judah means? Judah means praise. She said, I'm going to stop and I'm going to praise them. I'm going to put my priorities in order. I'm going to keep, I'm going to stop having God down here and my husband elevated to a place he doesn't deserve to be. He doesn't need to be. And you know what? Instead, I'm going to switch things around. I'm going to praise them because we each have that void. It's not just you. We want to be known. We want to know. Look, look what C.S. Lewis said, our old friend. He said, look, if I find in myself a desire a need, a want, in which no experience of this world can satisfy. The most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Something supernatural and eternal. C.S. Lewis realized something Leah realized. I have this need, I have this desire to be fully known, to be fully accepted, to be fully loved. I've tried it with my husband, it's not working. I've tried it with my kids, it's not working. I tried it with that person on the side, I'm still coming up empty. Leah realized what we have to realize and the only place you're gonna feel that fulfillment is the person you were born to have a relationship with and that is God our Father. He's the only one who can fulfill you. Scripture says God loves you so much he sent his son into this world. Jesus lived this perfect life. He died this perfect death. And at the end of his life, he went up on a cross. He paid the cost of your sin and your punishment. He died in our place. He died as our substitute so we may have access to the Father. That's how much God loves you. That's how much he loves you. That itch you haven't been able to scratch, that loneliness you haven't been able to overcome, it's because you've been asking a human being to do what only the divine can do. God loves you so much, there's nothing you can do to screw that up. There is nothing you could do to make God love you any less. But there's also nothing you could do to make God love you any more. You've got to know that today. You can't earn it. You can't prove yourself. You don't got to climb that mountain. You, gotta, you, you, you don't got to deserve it. He's given it to you as a free gift. I want to ask you, will you be like Leah today? She's the only one in the family who has an awakening, an epiphany of the danger of her idolatry, of where it's leading her, of how much pain and damage and selfishness it's causing. And she stopped. She said, Lord, I'm going to stop this. I'm going to smash my idol. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise him. Will you be Aaliyah today? Let us pray. We believe Jesus is on the move in Virginia Beach. And if you would like to learn more about who we are and our mission, follow us at Ascent Church 757. If you would like to give to further our mission to impact this city and beyond, you can do so at our website, ascentchurch.net. We hope to see you soon.